Last week, the House Ways and Means Committee voted for some sweeping tax law changes. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 344, Joan Big Al outlined the impact this proposal, if it were to become law, would have on Roth contributions, conversions, RMDs, the backdoor and Megatron Roth IRA, or Mega Backdoor Roth, as well as marginal and capital gains tax rates, wash sale rules, qualified business income, like I said, sweeping changes. Plus, your questions answered on wash sale rules, safe retirement income and withdrawal strategies, ye old Roth conversions, including when not to do a Roth conversion, and solo 401k retirement savings for self-employed small business types. I'm producer Andy Last, and here with the latest tax law news are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Uh, hot off the press, Big Al, we got a vote in from the House Ways and Means Committee and uh, looking at some new proposals in regards to tax. And let's rattle some of this stuff off because, you know, our listeners' favorite strategy is on the cutting room floor here. I mean, it, it could be over for well, there, the yeah. Megatron. So, so, <laughs> some of the things that we seem to talk about on this show, whether we want to or not, um, may be axed. So we'll, but it's important to say that this is a proposal that the House Ways and Means Committee has uh, is putting forward to the um, House of Representatives and later on the Senate, there will be additional changes, likely. But anyway, we want to go over what some of the changes are, at least what the proposal is, so you can be looking out for them. All right, let's go back and forth. Um, I got 39.6 is going to be the top marginal rate for income pairs of 4450 So this is not the Biden plan. This is a different plan that came out uh, trying to get the three and a half trillion dollars freed up for, um, for all the other stuff we want to do. Exactly. Yeah. So this is a little bit different from Biden's plan where the, um, the 39.6 tax is still the same rate. Uh, but the 39.6 would jump in a lot higher uh, than the 450 in this proposal. Right. Another one would be capital gains rate. The, the Biden proposal was to go to ordinary income rates once the, the uh, taxable income was above a million dollars. Uh, this new proposal would be a 25% tax rate, not 39.6, but a 25 up currently from 20. So it's a 5% increase. Uh, you still have the net investment income tax of 3.8%. Uh, when you are have incomes over 250,000 married, 200,000 single. But they've also added yet one more thing, which is a $3 million surtax on all income over $5 million of income. That also, to go back on that 25% cap gain tax, that starts at 400, 450. Correct. Instead of the million at ordinary income. Yeah, yeah. I should have said that. So, but here, a lot of this stuff is based on 400 million of taxable income, single, 450 married. There's such a- 400,000, right? 450,000, yes. Yeah, okay. This is a huge marriage penalty. Yeah. It's going to pay to never get married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unless you have a spouse that doesn't make any money. Right. That it does pay to get married. Yeah, if you have a spouse that doesn't make anything, then it makes sense. But if you have a spouse that- because it, it's only a fifty thousand dollar difference. Yeah, right. It should be. We 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 spent years trying to get rid of the marriage penalty, and here it comes. Here it comes, roaring back. Yeah, roaring back is is ex- exactly right. And the capital gain, if it changes as written, would be effective September thirteenth, which was Monday. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, or the beginning of last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 
All right. Um, IRAs. Let's get into that. Okay. So a couple of these IRA things are pretty stupid. I think it was one person that got upset because of Peter Thiel had $5 billion in his Roth IRA because he was a founder of PayPal. Right. And he put $2,000. Yeah. And, and the company did well. And the and company- made some money. <laughs> <laughs> he did well is, is an <laughs> understatement. Yep. So is Roth. I mean, he's the, he has the largest Roth IRA in the history of mankind. Right. So now they're going to kind of change the rules here. <laughs> uh, but for those of you that have large IRA balances of $10 million plus, um, once you reach $400,000, $450,000 of income again, uh, you are no longer to, able to contribute your $6,000 IRA contribution. <laughs> Correct. So that's, stupid. That's a, that's a big deal. So, But the other part of that is, is if, you're, uh, if your Roth or your regular IRA is over $10 million, you have to start taking money out regardless of your age. And the RMD is 50% of anything over the $10 million mark. Yeah, right. So- Mr. PayPal is going to have a big <laughs> income event. Uh, or he's going to distribute most of his Roth IRA is basically what they want to do to recycle the money, right? So if you take the money out of the Roth, it's not taxable. But yeah. what happens, it gets out of the tax shell of the Roth where it's not going to compound tax-free anymore. So now you'll be subject to capital gains on whatever that stock yeah. does on an ongoing basis. On future growth. And I guess they said one other thing too, is if, if you have both and you're over 10 million, you got to start taking the money out of the, of the Roth, Roth first. first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. How about um, Roth conversions? Um, so no more Roth conversions um, if your income is 400 or 450 after 2031, so 10 years from now. So this is interesting because this is where the law was um, 11 years ago. Right. In Be- 2010, it was when, once you had over 100,000 of income, you couldn't do the conversions. So we were doing a ton of tax planning back then to try to get people's taxable income below a hundred thousand dollars for them to do a Roth right, conversion. Right. You know, if this rule sticks, that means they're going to have to bring back recharacterizations. Right. They'll have that game again. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so no conversion. So what, what, what are they, what's the idea here is that they want the tax money, they get it, but they know it's a great deal for us. That's sure. why I've been screaming at the top of our, <laughs> right. To do conversions in the whole Roth game and everything else, because it's so much better for us, the consumer right. um, long-term right. and the IRS realizes this right? But they're still greedy. They want their tax dollars now and they're kicking the can down the road, but they're realizing, you know, maybe we only let this thing go on for another 10 years and then we shut her down. Yeah. It, you almost, they almost could have done it for eight years because it's like two presidential cycles. Sure. Right. Cause <laughs> in other words, it, it's probably the wrong thing to have so much in Roth conversion long-term, but let's not change it now because we need the money right, for my budget. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not going to get into politics. <laughs> um, so then here's the big one next year, starting next year is no more barn door, back door, garage door, um, elevator door, Megatron, whatever you yeah. guys want to call this stuff. Uh, so no more after tax contributions um, would be allowed to be converted uh, into a Roth. So uh, for those of you that are doing after tax contributions into an IRA and then um, directly converting those into a Roth IRA, uh, those are that's the the famous backdoor Roth IRA contribution yeah, that could be finally gone. Uh, that could be gone. I mean, I think when um, we initially started doing the backdoor Roths, we would wait like six months before we converted it. Remember that? Yeah, right. 
because we were like, well, is this legal? Is it not? Because, you know, we were a fairly conservative firm and we're like, we want it to season yep. because we it, 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 arm's length transactions and yeah, all of this. Yeah, because the IRS has this thing they call step transaction. If you do two things right next to each other, they can collapse them into a single step and then it would fail. Right. And so we were... Um, so we waited six months with all of our clients. We would right. do the after tax and then we, we would do the conversion. They might have to pay a little bit of tax on whatever yeah. that happened over that six months. Right. Uh, but the IRS is telling us now that we didn't, we never had to do that. Right. Yeah. Because it was okay. <laughs> Cause it's okay. <laughs> but and now, now, they now we're, get saying, rid of it. we're really saying you can't do it. Right. Um, so another one is that net investment income tax. That's where you have to pay 3.8% extra tax on passive income, interest, dividends, capital gains, rental income, things like that. That's when your income is over 250,000 married, 200,000 single. Now they're saying, you know what? We like this and this should be on active business income as well. But they're, they're, they would have a higher limitation, 400,000 of income for single and, and 500. Oh, 500 actually is what I read. Wow. But everything else is 450. So maybe that was a typo, but that would be on active income. In other words, if you're getting dividends and profits from your company, you'd have to pay that extra 3.8% tax as well. Um, and finally, what I have on my list here, Big Al, is uh, crypto. Uh, so you crypto uh, monsters out there. You can do a wash sale rule. There's going to be some wash sale rules. And what is that? Is that, you know, if you, um, when you sell a stock at a loss, right? And then all of a sudden you buy it back the same day. Yep. Th- it's called a wash sale rule because you can't necessarily take the loss. You have to wait 31 days on that transaction to take the loss on your tax return. Um, so now crypto has that wash sale rule. Um, what I heard, I think that's a good thing for crypto investors because it will kind of calm down the volatility a little bit because of all the kind of mass trading that goes on in that world. Right. Um, but just FYI, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily claim their taxes with crypto or don't un- even understand it's, it. it. Even for people in the know, it's a, it would be, it's a hard thing to account for. Right. Because every time you buy something with cryptocurrency, it's a gain or loss <laughs> on your investment. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who's going to keep track of that? I don't know. Well, the, the blockchain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I got a couple more. All right. So uh, a qualified um, uh business income. I was trying to think what QBI. it stood for. QBI. So, so right now it's available regardless of income level. Um, if, if it's like real estate or something like that, and now they're saying, now we're going to cut that off at 400,000 single, 500,000 married estate and gift tax. So that's a, remember the Biden proposal wanted to basically say, if you had capital gains, when you passed away, your heirs had to pay taxes essentially that day. In other words, that it became taxable that day. And so now that's out of this current proposal, which thank goodness, because that that was going to not be a very good one. But what they did do instead is they brought the estate tax exemption down from about 12 million a person to five, five plus inflation. And then one more little thing, uh, not a little thing, is corporate tax rate would go up to 26.5% from current 21%. So there you go. All right. Go ahead. I have a question. Yes. There's something that is mentioned about the back door Roth IRA curbs for high earners that says that it wouldn't be effective until December 31st of 2031. No, what are the chances that's a typo? No, no, no. What, what they're seeing there is that they're changing the conversion rules. So it's not the back door rules. It's a, a conversion of any kind. 
So if you're doing a Roth IRA conversion, moving money from a traditional retirement account to a Roth account, you are not able to do a Roth IRA conversion. If your adjusted gross income is over 400 or 450, that law comes into play in 2031. So they're reverting back to where the law was back in 2010, when your modified adjusted gross income had to be under a hundred thousand. So they increased the income limits, but they, it's not put into play for another 10 years. So I think their idea is that, yes, we don't like these conversions. Um, So we're putting something in play that we're going to try to easily, you know, slowly get rid of them. Um, So I think that's the messaging there. But yeah, 2031. But next year, starting next year, you cannot do a conversion of after-tax dollars. Yeah. And by the way, this is only a proposal. This right. is not, this is not law. law. Who knows what, what's yeah, going to happen? We don't know, but this is what's currently um, uh, been approved by the House Ways and Means Committee to go to the House and the Senate. So uh, the, the sense of urgency is this. If you want to do a backdoor Roth IRA conversion, mega backdoor, Megatron, get your, get your game going, get it done. Start doing this stuff now. If you haven't done conversions before, I would get more aggressive with your conversion strategy over the next couple of years, especially when we have really low tax rates comparatively to history. Um, I think it's going to play even more important over the next couple of years. So right now, they don't like big retirement accounts. um, So trying to get as much as that as you possibly can in the Roth. I mean, some of these... uh, I've been in the business a long, I hate to say this now, over 20 years. Um, That's a long time. No doubt. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> that means you're, uh, oh, you're getting up there. Yeah. No, no, I'm retired you're a seasoned now. veteran now. Uh, yeah, I still don't know. my. No longer the boy wonder. Um, but the largest retirement accounts that we, we see fairly large retirement accounts. I mean, a $10 million IRA is so far and few between. Yeah. It's w- w- I, have you ever seen one? Yes. For you personally? Yes. Okay. I, I don't think I have. And it's probably two, one or two, right? <laughs> Out of thousands Out of, of thousands. Th- hundreds of thousands yeah. over the years. Right. So, um, I mean, some of this stuff is just, why are they wasting ink? <laughs> You know what I mean? Just to get to one or two people. I mean, right, right, whatever. So our recurring YMYW inside jokes about the Megatron and the backdoor Roth and Roth conversions are becoming somewhat urgent now. It would appear that when one of these dramatic proposals to change the tax code becomes law, getting that lifetime tax-free growth on your investments could look very different. Now is the time to schedule a no-cost, no-obligation financial assessment with one of the highly trained certified financial planner professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. Make sure you're taking advantage of every legal tax reduction strategy available now before those tax laws change. Get professional help in crafting a complete, personalized financial plan for you and your family that's based on your circumstances, your risk tolerance, your goals for retirement, and takes into account these impending tax changes. Time is of the essence, and the calendar is filling up fast. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and click Get an Assessment to schedule your free financial assessment via Zoom, no matter where you are in the country, at a time and date that's convenient for you. We got Jim in San Diego. He goes, hi, guys. I was wondering if you have begun devising tax avoidance strategies to cope with what appears to be a tsunami of tax changes from the Biden administration. My concern is that they jam these 
changes down our throats, effective January 1st, 2022, and that we might need to have our counter strategies in place. <laughs> um, okay. So first of all, every all the tax changes that are proposed are, are going to go into effect retroactive. <laughs> so it's not going to be January 1st. It will already be kind of put in place. Well, so that for capital gains is true. Okay. Yeah. Very most, good point. The, the, most of the stuff will be for 2021, 2022. Sorry. Except for the Roth conversion rule, which is 2031. Yes. We'll have to keep track of that. <laughs> um, and I think it all really depends on people's incomes. I mean, if your income is lower than $400,000, if you're single, $450,000, if you're married, right. um, I don't think you're going to be affected too much by any of this. Yeah, for most people, that's exactly accurate. Now, a couple of things maybe to consider: the capital gains rate may change if your income's high. We've had we have two different proposals: one in April, one that just came out. Who knows what's actually going to happen and what the effective date is? So, probably maybe the effective date will be in the next year. I you know I don't know. Maybe if you got some larger gains, maybe you take those off the table now. If you're a real estate owner and want to sell a property and buy a property, do a 1031 exchange. There's, yeah, that, rule that, there. there's rules there where that might go away next or, or, year. Or you can only do what, 500,000? Actually, million dollars, million dollars of gain. So if you have more than a million dollars of gain, you might want to fast track that. But it's hard to make decisions based upon a proposal, proposal. because they, they always change. So I would say it's a little premature. Be aware of what's being proposed, but you don't want to do anything quite yet, in my view. Right, yeah, well, we have a laundry list of these proposals. Um, so as long as you understand what the proposals are and how, how, how they may or may not affect you, if they do come into law, you know, then you can kind of maybe start thinking about what plans of you, you want to do, but I wouldn't pull the trigger until now. Cause I mean that, so the, but the budget came out from the Biden administration in late April house and ways, ways and means committee just came out with new proposals you know, effect uh, on September 13th. So what's, what is, what's it going to be in October, November, December? We, we just don't know. Right. So, all right. I uh, hope that helps. Uh, go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on ask Sean Al on the air. You can write an email or you can leave a message uh, like Jason did. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for big Al. Let's say I have some shares of a stock and I only hold it for a few days after buying it. And then I sell all the shares at a loss and never buy it back again. Uh, will this be a wash sale? Because I believe you're supposed to hold the stock for at least 30 days before selling at a loss in order to avoid a wash sale. So I'm not sure. Again, I have sale on Google on January 1st. I sell all my Google on January 5th and I never buy it back again at a loss. Could I deduct that loss? Thanks a lot, Jason. He's in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, 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 said, yeah. Right, hurry up. And- yeah, bye. Yeah. Answer quickly. Uh, the answer is yes, you can deduct it. And uh, you, so you're referring to wash the wash sale rule, which simply states this, if you own stock and you sell it, and this is outside of a retirement plan, you sell it at a loss and then buy it back within 30 days, then you can't take that loss. It, it's a wash sale rule because they, they want to prevent you from actually creating a loss and then immediately turning right around and buying those shares. The reason why it says that you have to own the stock uh, 30 days before is if you already own the stock, right? So I'll give you a little example. You own 100 shares of Google, and then you the next, you know, then you buy another 100 shares of Google, 
and then you sell it the next day. It's, well, you've really done the same thing, right? In other, in other words, you temporarily had 200 shares when you wanted to sell the 100 shares and buy it back. So that's why they have this rule. If you buy shares and don't own them already and sell them two days later at a loss and never buy them back, that's that's all good. You're kind of front-loading, right? It's like, I have this as a loss, but I have this as a market value. So I'm going to sell the one at a loss, yeah. but I'm going to keep my portfolio the, the same, same amount yeah. of, of Google stock so, in this right. instance. So another way to say this is the 30 days before only applies if you already own the stock, right? Because if you think about it, then you would be kind of gaming the system. All right. Um, got a quick question here from Wynn. Uh, he went to uh, one of our webinars. He just had a qu couple of quick questions. Can you transfer 401k to a Roth IRA when you're already retired? Will there be transfer penalties or taxes imposed? Um, if you're already retired, sure, you can move money from a 401k to a Roth IRA. Uh, is there taxes and penalties? No penalties, but of course there will be taxes um, if you did the conversion. So um, then he has a follow-up question. He goes, what about if you're still working, can you still convert to a regular IRA into a Roth without penalties? Uh, yes, a conversion is not classified as a distribution. It is looked at as a rollover. So there is no penalties. Of course, there's taxes. Um, so if you are working, you would just want to look at what tax bracket that you're in. If you want to do a Roth conversion, you're just going to pay the taxes at whatever rate that you're um, currently in at this moment in time. So it doesn't matter if you're working or non-working. That's not a stipulation on if you can or cannot do it. Um, if you're trying to convert a qualified plan that you're you know, an active participant to, uh, that could be a different story depending on what that plan does. Yeah, says. plan plan specific. So check on your plan for that. Uh, let's move on. We got Mark. Uh, he writes in. He goes, we just sold one of our house and cashed out with $1.1 million. Uh, purchased house 20 years ago for 498000 Where would you put the dollar signs for safe retirement income? Wife has a million-dollar 401k, and I have a $550,000 IRA. And we own another house paid for worth about $2 million. We're 69 and haven't touched the money yet. Yeah, Social Security yet, I think. Or SS. SS. SS yet. Exclamation, exclamation point. Yeah. I think. Um, so where would you put the safe money, I guess, is the question. This is a brag email. <laughs> I got 1.1 million cash. I, I sold got, my yeah, house. I yeah. got I got all this other money, and I and got my a, wife's got a million. We got a two million dollar house. No mortgage. We off. haven't even paid it off. <laughs> no debt. Yeah, so basically, we are loaded. Where would you put some extra cash? Yeah. So it's safe. So it's safe. Um, Mark, congrats. First of all, um, I think you've done a wonderful job. And, um, you know, I, I think some of our listeners are like, you know, you got these guys that write in and all they want to do is kind of like, you know, pump their own tires. Sure. I think this is one of them. Well, well I, I'm not so sure. This is a legitimate question. Okay. Where do, I got all this money. What do I do with <laughs> well, it? You put it in a globally diversified portfolio that's low cost and tax efficient. Yeah, but that could go down. Sure. Value. Well, yeah, you could be somewhat <laughs> safe with it. I mean, we're not product pushers. I have no idea. Well, I mean, you could go into a municipal bond, right? right. That has... T tax free income yeah i could you yeah i go mean low duration I, I think mark the the best answer is what do you what do you need that money for what's the 1.1 million for is it to buy another house 
And if you're going to do that soon, then just keep it in a in a savings account. No, he wants to grow to two million so he can call another podcast. <laughs> or if you want to do that, then put it in a globally diversified fund, just like Joe said. Take a little risk, but you get a much higher return over time. So, but, but the thing is, if you need the money quickly or soon, and I'm going to define that as three years or less, maybe even four years or less. Go super safe. Just put it in a in a CD, maybe well, a ninety day CD, one year CD, something well, like that. We need a little bit more information, right? So, but when when people call in or, or write in, they ask us what we, what they should do with extra cash. It's yeah. really hard for us to give you any type of you know discussion. Points. Yeah, because they're asking a question kind of in a bubble, right? T- totally. Here, I have an extra hundred thousand, fifty thousand, twenty thousand, a million dollars. What should I do with it? At least we I have at least we have a sense with Mark. That's why I'm not taking it as a bragging one because but, we need that information. Well, hey, we don't know how much money that he's going to get as fixed income. I have no idea True. what he's he's what he's spending. Yeah. So we don't have enough, I guess. Is what we don't nearly at. have enough because you don't know what to do with the money without certain things. So if it's for retirement, which I believe this is his question. Yeah. Right. He's got extra cash. What should I do with it? Well, what's the money for? Is it to create retirement income? If it is that reason, how much retirement income is the demand of the portfolio? Right? How much does it need to produce? Right. Then we can get very specific in the overall sure. recommendations. I agreed with that. And if it's if the money is to buy more real estate for kids, grandkids, <laughs> then keep it safe. Um, but right, if, if we had a little bit more information, what's the money for, right? So a lot of you write in and We'll give you details if you can give us, hey, what's, what is your social security? How much money are you spending on an annual basis? What is your overall portfolio worth? Yeah, but and how old you are? They're going to say they're bragging. No. <laughs> if you just give me, hey, I just sold my house for like $2 million and I got the cash yeah, and well, I got another house worth $2 million. Oh, and by the way, my I, wife, she's got, she got a bunch a of cash. She's got a million. My kids, they got millions. <laughs> you know, I mean, my neighbors. Am I okay? <laughs> they got millions. Everyone's got millions that I hang out with. What do you think? Am I okay? Yeah, then then that's, that's, a, that's a bragging one. That's, that's a brag. By all means, we give you that outlet. Right. So if you guys want to, it's cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, congrats. Yeah. But it's hard for us to give you any kind of spitball advice on that. <laughs> True. We got D from Irvine, California, writing in. Dear Joe, Alan, Andy, thank you for answering my question on a recent podcast regarding Roth conversions and higher income tax brackets. I just came across an instance where Roth conversions or 401k contributions uh, may not make sense in a particular tax year. Okay. The American Opportunity Tax Credit of $2,500 is available for families that have college students and meet the income requirements. This tax credit can be applied for each eligible college student. To claim the full credit, your modified adjusted gross income must be $80,000 or less, $160,000 if you're married. An individual interested in converting up to the 22% tax bracket in a given year, for example, may miss out on this credit. In addition, Someone that opt for the Roth 401k contribution instead of the traditional 401k in a tax year with qualified college expenses may be missing this significant tax credit. Just thought I would share the strategy for those that meet the income requirements and have qualified college expenses for their kids. Is this thinking correct from a planning perspective? Love the content in humor. Well, D, the thinking is completely correct. And, and, it's not just this. There's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't do Roth conversions. I, I'll just give you a few just off the top of my head. So if, you're, if your income, 
Jessica, this income is over $100,000 and you have property that's, uh, you know, rental property that's creating a loss. Once you get over $100,000, you start phasing out how much you can take in that loss of that loss. And once you're over 150, you can't take any loss or well, carries over, carries over. And that's in that circumstance. Here's another one. It doesn't I'd still do the conversion. Yeah, you would. I would. <laughs> Uh, another one is if you're if you push your income over two hundred fifty thousand married two hundred thousand um, single, then you're going to have to start paying that net investment income tax of three point eight percent on passive income. So you got to be aware of that. No biggie. I still convert. <laughs> you convert on that one. <laughs> Social Security. If you if you're doing a Roth conversion to where you're not paying tax on Social Security, and all of a sudden that becomes taxable, just be aware of that. Or if you're in the twelve percent bracket. And you have a bunch of capital gains, so you're paying zero on them, but the Roth conversions pushes the, the tax income above the $80,000 for married, $40,000 for single. Now you're going to pay ordinary income tax on that conversion, and you're going to pay capital gains on that other capital gains that would tax that was previously tax-free. Yeah. Well, then you could go with the Medicare surtax. Oh, sure. Right. Um, there's lots of reasons right, why when you're you adjusted get. gross income and, and, higher. And, and so the, the best answer is, is this, which is do a tax projection with and without the Roth conversion, see what happens. And if you lose the credit, then you know that. And if it's still the right answer, because the credit isn't that significant compared to what you're converting, go ahead and do it. But if it, if it changes the effective rate on the conversion, you may not want to do it. Affordable Care Act. That's another one. Yep. There's lots. There's lots of reasons why you wouldn't do a Roth conversion qbi QB, that's a good one yep yeah what no, else what no. else we got here we, we named like 10 that's the <laughs> qualified business this. income deduction by the way for people who are that's oh. like self-employed right now yes very good andy yeah i said it i go qbi and then she's like well it's qualified business yeah but and then she then she verifies with you is that right al <laughs> Well, because well, he's decide, usually the tax guy, you know. I just, I just throw out terms. letters. Yeah. I, I wonder if QBI applies. <laughs> <laughs> you figure I would say it doesn't if, I, if it didn't. Oh, geez. All right. I see where the source really counts. Yeah, right. Hey, he said it, not me. Learn more about getting tax free growth on your investments for life when you put money into Roth accounts by downloading the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Get it now before tax laws change and render it obsolete. This free guide explains the rules for contributing or converting to Roth, how a Roth IRA is different from a traditional IRA or a Roth 401k, the rules for taking money out of Roth accounts, how tax diversification reduces your risk when taking withdrawals in retirement, and much more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and download the free ultimate guide to Roth IRAs. Then share both the YMYW podcast and the free resources with your friends. Let's go with uh, Bruce uh, from Joyzee. He's back. We got some oldies, but goodies. We do, week. don't we? Hello, Joe. How is Big Al and Andy? Oh, it's uh, to you only. I guess so. Right. Uh, please don't forget them. Uh, please don't forget to let them get some sunshine once in a while from your shadow. It's a pretty, pretty big shadow. Yes. It's, uh, it's hard to see any. I, all I see is a big black mass. <laughs> Uh, one thing I don't hear in detail with solo 401k questions for self-employed is the ability to not only put 20% of business income as an employer in the solo 401k up to 19,550 years old of employee money of a, a solo 401k Roth and the balance of the max 57 K in 2020 under 50 in after tax money. Those 
after-tax monies can be rolled over to a Roth IRA. No gains since it's a non-interest-bearing account separate from pre-tax and Roth. Of course, it has to be in the adoption agreement, but since the person is his, her own custodian administrator, it can be in there. Is it a better secret than the barn door Roth? Um, it's just that my accountant wasn't fully aware of this 20 plus years experience. Regards, Bruce from <laughs> Joycey. Right, you got checked up on that one. I did. I did. Uh, well, isn't he explaining kind of the barn door back door? Yeah, that is what it is. <laughs> so, Bruce, <laughs> I know you listen to the show. <laughs> Missed that one but fine point. You got to you got to listen just a little bit harder. Here, let me let me help you out, Bruce. So, so first of all, when you're self-employed, you can actually, um, well, first of all, like let's say you're a sole proprietor, Schedule C, and let's say you've got fifty thousand dollars of profits. So it's based upon profits. So so dollar for dollar, you can put in nineteen thousand five hundred. So I'm just going to round that to twenty thousand. So you can put in about twenty thousand. Okay, you got thirty thousand left over potentially. You can also that's the employee part. Your employer and employee when you're self-employed. So you can do the employer part too which is 25% of 50,000. So 25% of 50,000 is 12,500. So we'll call it 13,000. So 20,000 and 13. So now you're about 33,000 that you can put in. So that the, the 19,005 could be either regular 401k or Roth 401k. The 13,000 has to be an employer contribution fully deductible. Of course, you could later convert it. Then everything else from 33,000 to 57,000, if you have that option in your 401k, you can put in after-tax money. And the advantage there is then you can turn right around and convert that after-tax money right into a Roth IRA and get tax-free growth forever. That is what we call the barn door Roth or the mega Roth or the garage door Roth or the Megatron or the dumpster truck Roth. Right? Megatron. Megatron. Megatron Roth. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, first of all, you have to be self-employed. Sure. And so, the, and, the, and you have to have profits. Right. The, the rules are that there's a defined contribution plan, which is a 401k. So, the IRS puts, you know, how much money can you put in a defined contribution plan? And so, most people think that the maximum amount they can put in a, to a defined contribution plan is the 19500 if they're under 50. Sure. That's not the case. It's close to $60,000. Right. And if you're over 50, it's more than that. Yeah, it's like 63 and a half, maybe. That you could put into a defined contribution plan. So this Megatron backdoor, super backdoor, barn door, whatever stupid things we're, we're talking about with these things, <laughs> is that a lot of large companies have an after-tax component that you can max it out to the, let's just call it $60,000. So you put in your 19.5 or... Uh, 25 grand, and you could still put a lot more money in, but you don't get a tax benefit up front. It's after tax. And so right away you convert it. If you're self-employed, you can set up your own solo 401k and put the maximum contribution as the IRS defines it as the 60,000 bucks. Right. Exactly right. So, um, because we're going to get this question. Hey, I heard about the solo 401k. I want to set it up for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Are you self-employed? No, no, no. I'm, I've got it. I've been working for 20 years with the same company. Right. So forget no, about it. Yes. You have to be self-employed to set up a solo 401k. Or then the second question is, all right, I'll just set up my own business and 
You can't, you can't have, have any profits. profits. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, well, can I move my money into the so? <laughs> oh, gosh. Nope. Uh, I got Linda from San Diego writing in. Hey, y'all. I'm retired and need help with identifying the best sequence of withdrawals from my various money sources. First, here's my situation. I'm happily single, 71 years old. And I have $65,000 a year in pension and social security, plus a few other small income amounts, which cover the basic expenses. Currently in the 22% tax bracket and typically convert to Roth IRA up to the lower of my tax bracket and Medicare premium cutoffs. Look at you, Linda, smarty pants. Very clever. However, next year when RMDs begin, approximately $14,000 in 2022, uh, conversions will be quite limited. I have no debt and own two San Diego County homes, which makes me feel secure in case I run out of money. I have simple needs and I've never lived lavishly, but my financial plan has me planning to live adequately and comfortably until I'm 95 after saving and later investing for retirement. Since I was eight years old, I finally given myself permission to spend. Yay. Unlike many retirees whose biggest fear is to run out of money before dying, mine is to die before I get to spend my money. In the next year or so, I intend to spend two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand and at least fifty thousand dollars a year for the next few subsequent years. My one point eight million dollar nest egg includes the following categories in the details in rounded dollars. Uh, Roth IRA out 450K. Traditional IRA 120. 403B 230. Non qualified investments 1 million. All right. $815,000 in laddered CDs. I think spending my invested money will make me feel safer and keep me more comfortable than spending my safe money. But I'm open to whatever guidance and expertise. Um, you care to provide. For what it's worth, I have a capital loss carry forward of $28,000 from last year and the potential to write off uh, as a capital loss of additional $6,000 and or 50K uh, for some bad business debts. It makes tax strategy sense to offset capital gains from selling my non-qualified investments. I hate emphasis to pay more in taxes than needed whether income, capital gains, or Medicare premiums. I'm a steady, long-time San Diego AM760 radio weekend listener and would and when I'm awake and remember occasionally CBS Channel 8 TV, very early Sunday morning viewer of your shows. Very informative, interesting, and relevant. Kudos to you. Hope we can provide some direction as to which specific withdrawal sources I should use over the next several years as I happily spend uh, what I've sacrificed for during the last 60 years. All guidance you provide will be much appreciated. Thank you so much. Very respectfully, Linda. P.S. Please do not put me on your mailing list. Yeah, that, don't bother me. <laughs> I also want to mention at the top of this page where she says, I am very risk averse in red and underlined. That is how she put it in her email. And you skipped over it because you thought I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. Yeah, because it was in red. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, pick another color next time. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay, Linda, we're going to start sending you some emails. First off, <laughs> if we're going to answer your question, and then we're going to get our biz dev team probably going to call you 16 times over the next couple of days. Um, you might want to change your phone number and email address. Yes. Uh, you might want to move into your other home. <laughs> In fact, move out of state. Because you're going to get it. flooded with mail. Um, so <clears throat> let's, here's what you look at in this scenario here she's got a million dollars of non-qual right yes and so she she wants to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and i'm just eyeballing this show she's, she's got, not very conservative well yes she is because she's got it's it's about 60 or 70 percent in cds if you if you add up all these different cds oh, okay cool yeah so let's, oh i didn't see that yeah yeah so let, let's just say for purposes of our discussion she's got 40% in the stock market and 60% in cash, roughly. Okay. So from a tax perspective, I mean, she's got plenty of cash to, to do what she wants to do. Sure. Right. Um, what does she have? $1.8 million, $2 million bucks? Yeah, $1.8 total. Okay. And she's got um, um, $70,000 in, um, she said, fixed income or something? Yeah, um, she's got 65 in fixed income and, and the few other extra income items. Yeah, so call it 70. Okay. And she's happily at 71. Yep. So she wants to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars over the next couple of years. In right. the next year or so, I intend to spend 200 to 250 and at least 50,000 a year for the next few subsequent years. Yeah. So she wants to go all in next year. Okay. After, it's an after COVID party. So $200,000. No biggie. That's a 7% burn rate for yeah, one year. For you could probably handle that. Sure. Right. Great. And then 50,000 on top of that. Let's just, let's just do this. Here's what you can probably spend is, I don't know. I'm going to say five. Yeah. I'd say 5%. She could take out about a hundred thousand dollars out of her portfolio every year. I agree. Until she passes. And, and maybe, she's, maybe, she's maybe even, maybe even a little more, but that's, that's a rough number. Yeah. And you know what, where you, where you take the money, Linda, is is whatever is um, performing better. So, in other words, if the stock market, if the stock market is doing well, like it has been, yes, you would sell stocks. Sell stocks, right? That basically allows you to kind of rebalance into how you want your. If the stock market does poorly, don't touch the stocks. Pull sell it out of cash. CDs. Yeah, that's how you do it. And then, um, with a tax overlay on this, is that you just want to look at, okay, well, where are you, what are you going to sell? Um, and what is going to give you the best after-tax return given what your other fixed income sources are? Because you already have some pensions and social security, um, and then you have to take your RMD. And so from there, then you're going to look at, all right, well, where are you going to come up with the other $200,000? Does it make sense to pull it more from the retirement account? Does it make sense to pull it from your non-qualified account? Does it make sense to create a capital gain? Does it make sense just to sell some of the CDs? Then you can easily make those decisions too. Yeah, agreed. Right. So it, it, it's a couple of things. The real easy is, all right, we'll sell what's up and don't sell what's down. If you're in a bull market, sell your equities. If you're in a bear market, sell your cash because then it gives your, your equities time to grow. But I think what it gets a little bit more complex is to figure out exactly how you kind of coordinate this. But she's pretty, sh I mean, she's super sharp, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I would just, just quickly, I would say if you're going to pull 200 to 250,000 out, 
that that you don't want to bring that take that out of your IRA because you're throwing into a bigger tax bracket. You don't have that much in there anyway. So pro and I don't think you'd want to touch your Roth for that probably. So I I would probably take it out of your non-qual account. Maybe maybe some of your laddered CDs. It's that's a one-time thing, and then at, thereafter, if you want to do an extra fifty thousand per year, now just start paying attention to your tax brackets and figure out where to pull it from. Um, Frida Boss. Frida's boss. Frida's boss. Do we know? He signs his name as Mr. Poon. Oh, okay. I'm confused. <laughs> Mr. Poon is Frida's boss. Mr. Yep. Poon from Fort Myers, Florida. Okay. I see. Hi, Al, Joe, and Andy. My wife and I have income of $320,000 after deductions. I would like to do a $10,000 Roth conversion as to fill up the 24% tax bracket. However, $25,000 of the $320,000 comes from qualified dividends. Does that give me the ability to convert $35,000 instead of $10,000 and still maintain that 24% tax bracket? Love the show. Thanks for help, Mr. Poon. Mr. Poon. <laughs> Uh, the answer is yes, you can convert $35,000 because it's really, it's kind of your ordinary income that gets you to the top of that 24% bracket. And then your capital gains sit on top of that. So they will be taxed at 15%. However, he is at $320,000. Yep. So the capital gains are going to be taxed at, um, yeah. you're going to get the NI yeah, um, actually, investment income actually tax. 18 point. Eight percent to be exact. It's fifteen percent plus the net investment income tax of three point eight percent. But yeah, that's a true statement. You have the ability in this situation with with your capital gains to do a bigger conversion, have the ordinary income be taxed at twenty four percent, and still have the capital gains taxed at the fifteen percent plus that three point eight percent. Very good. All right, Mr. Poon. Hopefully that helps. So what's it like when you tell people you work in finance? And please don't use my name. Both of those are in the derails at the end of today's episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call before tax laws change. It doesn't matter where you are in the country, chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement and save money on taxes. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I mean, that's why I tell people at like cocktail parties and stuff like that, I own barbershop. <laughs> Which is true. You, it is. Yeah. It is true. So yeah. if you guys need a cut, I'd be more than happy to talk about, right. you know. And I'm and I'm a landlord. Yeah, yes, you are. On vacation rails. Because like, all right, if you're on an airplane, oh, oh yeah. what do you do? If you say financial planner, financial advisor, A, they'll be like, oh, well, what do you think of the market? Yeah, what's, hey, what's uh, the market doing? Hey, what's the market doing? What do you feel? Oh, you, you've got to have a pulse on this. <laughs> Dude, when's the real estate market going to come down? It's like, are you crazy? Yeah. I have no clue. But I will say, see, I used to always say I'm CPA. That's worse. Because when you say you're CPA. Well, they want tax advice or what? You, can I write this No, off? there's two, two responses. One is they look at you like, what's that? That's the first response you get. And the second one is, oh, and then they talk to someone else. <laughs> like, you must be incredibly boring. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> yeah, if you, do, if you say you're a CPA, you, you won't be bothered. Uh, what 
the hell? What is Frida's boss? What? Did, how did we even get that? Andy? So again, you know how the forum comes in and they have to put in their first name and last name. First name was Frida's, last name was Boss, and then in the text of the email, he signed it Mr. Poon. Hmm. Okay. Do you think Mr. Poon is his real name? I guarantee it is. <laughs> no one ever fakes their names on this show, right? I think they should. Please don't use my name. Like, hey, That's this right. is John. Yeah, from Los Angeles. Please don't use my name. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? You know how many Johns there are in Los Angeles? Yeah, we're not going to find it. <laughs> <laughs>